What else is going to be great? This service. This service is going to be so amazing and so creative and so cool, at least in my opinion. It's a treat. It is, it's awesome. Uh, first service was just phenomenal. So I had this idea. Uh, well, actually, I didn't, it's not my own brainchild, but I saw a church do it and I stole it. And now I'm telling you, I had this great idea. And I asked four speakers to come in on platform, do a seven minute mini message for four quarters. And uh, it's all, now I get to choose who I was going to bring in uh, from our team. And I'm bringing the up and coming speakers. So people, potentially, this could be their first time on platform. So it's kind of a big deal. And we really need you to be rowdy fans in the crowd today. Is that all right? They're awesome, though. They are awesome. Let me introduce you to the speakers that I've asked to speak. The first person is Jordan Rose. Coming in at 6'2 and devilishly handsome. And next is Greg. Greg, stand to your feet. Then we have Kyler. And we have LaVita. Yeah. Oh, man, it's it's amazing. It's going to be really, really fun. Um, I will tell you, though, that we chose teams randomly this week. So they chose the teams they're on. They've created their own team names, and we'll bring them to platform in a minute. I know what it feels like to preach a 30-minute sermon. In 30 minutes, it's very forgiving with errors that you make, right? It's easy to get the plane. Even if your takeoff is a little rough, you have some time to gain momentum in a sermon in 30 minutes, but in a seven minute sermon, when you have to start the engine, put it in drive or whatever planes go in and, and you go lift off and then stabilize, make one point that actually you can walk away with and then land the plane all in seven minutes. That's really hard to do. It's very hard. I really believe I've done it before. A seven minute sermon is way harder than a 30 minute sermon. Now, I didn't tell them that when I asked them to do this. I told them that this morning before first service. So I need your help to encourage them, all right? It's going to be a great day. Let's welcome to platform the referee for today. The referee, we wanted to bring out a professional referee, but we have Pedro instead. Can you welcome Pedro? He's good. He's awesome. Pedro, I don't see you in a referee outfit. What's the problem here? I'm undercover. You're an undercover referee. This is going to be good. All right, let's give it up one more time for Pedro. So this is going to work pretty simply. We're going to have four speakers. It's going to be a clean game. I'm going to welcome up the first team. It's going to be consisted of two speakers. Can I bring up the first team known as the 40 Chiefs? fraternizing the congregation. All right, who here is the team captain? All right, if you could describe your team in one word, what would it be? Ruthless. Ruthless. It's going to be a clean game though, right? Absolutely. All right. So we've got our first team, the 40 Chiefs. Now we're going to bring our second team by the name of, we are here for the Super Bowl snacks. Can we bring them up? Give them a warm welcome. 
here is the team captain, Jordan. All right. If you could describe your team in one word, what would it be? Think quickly. Go. Iconic. Iconic. Okay. Now, there are three rules. The sermon must stay under seven minutes. You must use the Bible because this is church. You can't just stand up here talking about eggs and milk. <laughs> and then the third rule is you must randomly incorporate a selected phrase that you will draw from this bucket. Okay? So we're going to do the coin toss. Does anyone have a coin? I will choose the outcome based on what I get. Tails. It seems that the 40 Chiefs will be going first. <clears throat> All right. So we'll have your team captain go first. All right. So first you will have to choose the random phrase. Don't think that you can get the same phrase that you got last service because we got rid of those. I'm going to keep you on your toes. So draw. But is it a Jesus discount? Okay. But is it a Jesus discount? Question mark. Question I mark. I phrase it right. It on. is. Sorry. So but the phrase is, but is it a Jesus discount? That is the phrase. So follow my finger with only your eyes. Not touch your nose. Okay. Want a clean game. You will be going in three, two, one. Okay, good morning, guys. I am excited to be here. You guys look amazing on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, we're going to kick off. What did I say about fraternizing with the congregation? Already. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, James 1, 2 through 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The title of my message today is The Thing About Hard Things. So I started off the year wanting to build my endurance by jogging more. Wait, I misspoke. What I meant is start to jog. So... What I did is I built this habit around, like, just jogging around the block. So I would, every morning I'd get up, i put my joggers on, because I have to have my joggers on so I can jog, put my running shoes on. I get stretched because it's going to be incredibly awesome. Every time I say that, I know it's just going to be painful, but I have to hype myself up. And then I do something very important. Do not miss this, okay? I take a cylinder block from under my bed, and I pull it out. And what I do is I run around that block, and then I sit back down and go to sleep. I can endure anything now. That's right. So I started thinking about this word endurance. It's a hot word, especially in the sports world, right? Even Gatorade knows this. They have a Gatorade endurance product line. It has gels. It has bars. It has powder. Gatorade powder. What happened to the drink? Anybody know what happened to the drink? Gatorade drink? 
And so it got me thinking, like, what's up with this word? Endurance has to mean something. So I naturally went to my wisest friend, Google, and I asked him, what's the definition of endurance? You know what he told me? Because I think of him as a he. The ability to withstand hardship or adversity. He's so smart. Look at him go. But I kept digging because, you know, there's always 20 definitions to a single word to make it simple, right? So I was digging and scrolling and digging and scrolling and digging. That could be a song, digging and scrolling, digging and scrolling, digging and scrolling. Okay, here we go. And I came across two words, staying power. Endurance is staying power. My oldest daughter, Brooklyn, she's now nine years old. She's healthy. She's thriving. She's amazing. And I love her. But she was born at 30 weeks. She was 10 weeks early, two months premature. And she spent the first two months of her life in a hospital. She spent her first Christmas in a hospital. And she had to be attached to a machine to help her breathe and to get the nutrients that she needed. And even after we left the hospital, she had a heart rate monitor attached to her. And it would beep every time that she forgot to breathe because she wasn't fully developed when she entered into this phase of her life. And I wonder if we, just like Brooklyn, may be trying to leave a season prematurely. Things can get super hard, and I know that. But I think Sam Smith and God want to sing over you. I want you to stay. He's singing that over you right now. I got these looks like, what are you doing? Why, God, why do you want me to stay? You see, you have the promise over here in the palace over here where the promise is fulfilled. And in between those, you have the process, the trials, the temptations, the hard things. And here's the thing about hard things. The hard things in your now produce staying power for your next. And God has something great for you in your next. We have a natural tendency to run when pain is involved. But the scripture is saying, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Because those hard things are a part of the equation to a whole and complete life. Or to put another way, hard things produce whole lives. So if hard things are a part of the equation, how and what's the secret to embracing hard things? And I want to give you one point here today from a football perspective. And that's this. Trust your offensive coordinator. Trust your offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator's job is to help you score, to provide the offensive game plan. And this position is really unique because unlike any other coaches who have to stay on the sidelines, the offensive coordinator can choose to stay in the press box where he can get a whole view and get a whole picture. This guy has multiple, or girl, has multiple ways to look at things, and he has a way to strategize to help you win. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. Do not rely on your own opinions. And do not rely on your own opinions. And do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision that you make. God is your offensive coordinator. He knows the plans that he has for you, and they are brilliant, and they are just for you. He's moving you down the field even when you can't see it. 
You may think that you need to run a flea flicker right now, but he's saying, no, you got to run a quarterback sneak. I know the right play for your life. Listen to me. Listen to me. He knows the right play. Listen and act on what he says. I don't know how I'm going to get this phrase in here. Something stuck out at me in the last part of the scripture. Um, and to give context, I'm going to start with verse 3. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Yeah. In verse 4, this is what got me. So let it grow. That's good. It's the most powerful thing that I've seen in a long time. So let it grow. In order for me to let it, I have to release it. And what I feel like God wants you to know is that it's okay to release it and let your season grow. Let the staying power grow because the very thing that you're going through is developing the staying power for your next great thing. Hard things produce whole lives. Hard things produce whole lives. But is it a Jesus discount? I'll allow it. See. You would have lost points for going over 0.3 seconds, but since it was such a good word, I'll allow it. <laughs> so we're going to bring up our second speaker now from team We Are Here for the Super Bowl Snacks. Jordan Rose, will you please take the pulpit? So remember, your sermon's got to be under seven minutes, unless it's like really good. And it must use the Bible. Use the Bible. And you also got to incorporate this phrase. So draw the phrase. All right. Um, it says, you would cry. Okay. You would cry too if it happened to you. Oh, my. This one's going to be emotional. Oh, I, have this one. I have this one. Oh, it's so easy. Okay. So follow my finger. With your eyes. Sorry, it's hard. <laughs> I can't. All right. <laughs> I can't under good judgment allow you to do You might be concussed, but I'll allow it. All right. All right. You have three seconds. Three, two, one. Um, all right. So good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Jordan. So I'm just going to start off with a story I had. So in fifth grade, um, I was made fun of a lot, and mostly by girls. And yeah, you would cry too if it happened to you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, all right, all right. Uh, yes, finally. All right. Um, so um, I had a lot of nicknames um, too. They made me like made fun of me. But one of them that stuck throughout the whole year was the term Butterfingers. I I tried to be good at football once and it didn't work, so I just I just stopped. I'm sorry, I just I, I was breathing into the whistle. <laughs> um, but. Um, so I thought, 
I thought, so since I have so much experience with being a receiver and being called Butterfingers, I would share with you the four types of receivers Jesus talks about in the parable of the sower. And you can find this story in Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. So um, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him, and he got into a boat and sat on it, while all the other people stood on the shore. Then he told them many good things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because of the soil was shallow, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on the good soil, where it, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Then I want to go to Matthew 13, 18 to 23, where he explains the whole parable of the sower. Um, so it says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes out and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they, only la they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of, it, of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Um, but the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So um, the main thing I want to, like if you get nothing out of this, I just want you like to get, take, take this away. Um, listeners must accept or catch the word of God and let it take root in their life. So um, the first type of receiver I want to talk to you about is the interceptor, which um, you can find in verse 19. When anyone hears the message in the kingdom and does not understand that the evil one comes, out, comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart, this is a seed sown along the path. So um, I would um, define intercepted as something being kept from being received, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, so, like, when a quarterback throws the football to, like, one of the receivers, but an enemy intercepts it, like, gets it in, like, midair or something, um, that's pretty much what intercepted means. Yeah. But um, the enemy wants to, like, the enemy player wants to take something before it reaches us. Like, um, yeah. God throws us his word, and he, we're ready for it, but then the enemy always, always will try to distort it or make it something different. Yeah. Yeah. He, he can do this by causing distractions in your life, um, bringing wrong people into your life, causing doubt and fuzzy values. But in this um, intercepted phase, enemy keeps the message from your grip. But what if you never had a grip? Which takes me to my second point, the butterfinger, the one I'm most familiar to it. Um, this, um, this is defined as like makes contact with no grip. So the football slips right through your hands. Um, in ways you cannot become a butterfinger like me. Hold on, let me just get, no, let me just get something straight. I'm not a butterfinger like church. I love church and I love Jesus. I was a, just a butterfinger in football. So let's just, let's just, yeah, let's just get that out of the way. Um, you can, the ways you cannot become a butterfinger are by meditating on his word and let it sink in. Um, because usually, like me, well, before, I used to just like skim over it and tell my parents, oh yeah, I read the Bible for today. But I want to actually like, um, like meditate on it and like understand what you're reading. Yeah, and you good. can, another way is by acting on his word and becoming a doer of the word. And yeah. like following through or everything he says. So, so far we did the intercepted and the butterfingers. Now we're going to go to point number three, the fumbler. And not to be confused with the, um, what is it? Butterfinger, sorry, my mind went blank, sorry. 
um, the Butterfinger, but the fumble is when you have the ball, you're running with it, and then you drop it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, we usually fumble because we don't have a lot of focus in life, yeah. but um, we try to focus on like way too many things that we can handle. But we only should focus on one thing, and that's Jesus yeah. throughout the whole thing, whole day. Is that the day? All right. Um, but the, now the fourth type, my final receiver I want to talk to you about is the dependable, the one everyone wants to be. Because I want to be known as the guy that can follow through on something throughout the whole, everyone's life. Yeah. So um, when, you t- when you catch, oh, already said that, sorry. Um, <sighs> ah. All right. Um, this is the only um, receiver that produces any type of fruit or anything. And um, the one quote I want to leave you with this one receiver is we can catch a little but still score a lot. We can be um, dependable with tiny little things and be faithful with tiny little things and still get a whole storehouse of stuff. Yep. So, so yeah, that's the four. The um, intercepted, the butterfinger, the fumbler, and the dependable. So I ask you, what receiver are you? Thank you. Yeah. You received a full 10 points this time. You used the phrase, you did a good word in seven minutes. And you used the Bible correctly. Okay, we're going to take a halftime right now. We're going to go into our halftime show, but it's mainly worship. And I really, I really enjoy this part because how many know that the halftime show is the best part of the Super Bowl? Second to the commercials. But this is going to be better because it's worship. Time to come before Jesus and tell him who he is in Jesus' name. So we're going to go into worship now. This is a moment where the Lord has brought you to, not just in this service, but in your life. You've been wanting to say yes to Jesus. You've been contemplating it. You've been thinking, if I just get right, if if this happens or that happens, I'm here to tell you that this is your moment. Don't let this moment pass you by. You felt the presence, you, you felt something. You don't know what it is. In fact, maybe it even freaks you out a little bit and you, you think this, this is kind of a hate-love relationship I have right now. It's the Lord drawing you. He is drawing you. He wants to draw you into the mysteries of his spirit. He wants to reveal to you things that you've not yet seen, heard, or known. But most of all, he just wants to love on you. He wants to love on you. I believe, as I said in first service, and Michaela brilliantly Uh, ushered the the presence into this moment. I believe that there is a supernatural shift that is happening internally for many of us today. Many of you are going to go home and watch the Super Bowl tonight. You're going to do the Super Bowl party, chips and drink Coke and grill and whatever it is that you do. We just know that all Christians want the 49ers to win. So if Oh, and the chief. Sorry, 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 Alicia and my parents. Well, whatever. God is still God, even if the enemy wins. Um, Whatever your enemy is. 
And we're going to watch all of these guys on the field, and they're going to do awesome, and, and it's going to be amazing. But I'll tell you this, um, every step that they take, every catch that they make, every touchdown that is made, everything that happens didn't happen by accident because they woke up this morning and said, I think I'm going to play football. It happened because there was a dream that was planted in their heart and they followed that dream and they practiced and they practiced and they practiced and they practiced. Every person on the field tonight in their own mind has seen themselves a winner long before this moment. And so I just believe that supernaturally we're going to pray that things are going to just shift over your mind. That you're not going to have to wrestle to see yourself as a winner anymore. You see, I believe that your solution is found in Jesus. In Jesus. You've been chasing your solution. But you won't find your solution till you chase Jesus. Because your solution is hidden in him. So if you'll just close your eyes this morning. First of all, if that's you, if you want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, or maybe you're coming back home, you've been running and you know it. The time is up. It's time to come home. You're ready to say yes to Jesus. We just lift that hand so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you. Thank you. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor, I need that, that shift to happen supernaturally by the power of God in my mind right now. I need to see myself as God sees me. I need to see myself as the victor, not the victim. There are too many Christians walking around as the victim these days. You are called to be more than a conqueror for those who are with you are more than those who are against you. If you need that shift to happen supernaturally right now, will you just lift that hand up? All over the room, all over the room, all over the room. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just speak a divine shift. That thing which you wanted to do, it's not a mistake that these people are here in this service, in this moment. Everything that would come against our mind right now, we just declare, we call it by whatever it is, depression, Loneliness, anxiety, insecurity, bitterness, unforgiveness. We give you a name and we say that we see you. And we declare that every name that has a name is beneath the name of Jesus. So right now, by the power of the Holy Ghost, by this, the power of the presence of God, we just speak complete healing, a mental shift, a mental shift. And it won't be slow progress. The Lord says it will be quick. It will be accelerated. It will be rapid from one moment to the next. Like the twinkling of an eye, you will see his presence and his healing made manifest in you. So God, we say yes to you today. We say yes to you. And for those in the room that are saying yes to Jesus, right now we confess with our mouth that Jesus is king that he is the son of God who died on the cross to take away the sins of the world so that we might be in right standing. We say yes to you. We say yes to being a son. We say yes to being a daughter. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time or you're coming back home, our ushers, as you exit today, would like to give you a booklet. It's called What's Your Next Step. You can get that as you exit today. 
Everybody take a deep breath. Worship has been good. Aren't you glad it wasn't just a halftime show? It was an encounter with Jesus. Amen. 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 Why don't you turn to two or three or four or 15 people, high five them, give them a hug. Are you guys enjoying the game? We've had two quarters. We've got two quarters still to go. It's uh, going to be quick, but it's going to be awesome. Please help me welcome to the platform one more time our referee, our overpaid and not paid referee, Pedro. I'm going to need my team to get back up here. We'll give it up for the 40 Chiefs. So we've had a, a pretty good run so far. You did a great word, sir. All right, we're gonna bring up the second team now, known as the We Are Here For The Super Bowl Snacks. I see. Y'all are playing an interesting play right here coming from behind me. Interesting. All right, so we had the two team captains go first, so I say we should go in the same, we'll, we'll flip it this time. We'll flip it this time. Kyler, will you take the stand? So, remember, the rules, you have to finish in seven minutes, you have to use the Bible correctly, and you also have to incorporate this, one of these randomly selected phrases. Last time it was something about a wrecking ball, so I'm really nervous. Yeah, I'll hold it for you. All right. This is so true, or it's gonna be true in the future. That's why I own 12 cats. That's Alrighty. incredible. You know the drill? Follow my finger with your eyes. Oh, look at that You're with your eyes. Really now, touch your nose. Touch it with your other hand. All right, you are good to go. You are not concussed. You have three seconds. Three, two, one. All right, so I'm just going to go ahead and go right into my text, which is James 1, 22 through 25. It says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, it is no, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or a woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. So for those of you that don't know, I was a cheerleader in high school. Go team. Um, and this time in particular, it was my senior year. We had made it to playoffs in basketball, so we were all super excited because we were actually going. We had a student section. We got a bus to take us all, and we were super, super hyped for the game. We get to the game. The game starts and we start losing really quickly. And we're all super bummed out because it was playoffs and we were super excited. So I'm doing my job, which is leading people in cheers. And every time we go up, you know, we do our cheer, woo, go team, we go back. The student section is just like, like I have three heads or something. And I'm like, okay, can you guys like help us please? We need your support. So after one cheer, I was like, you know what? I'm done, I'm done. I just walk away, I'm like, I'm over this. Unpreacher-like conduct, we don't quit. Oh, okay, sorry. It's just a story, just give me a second. Okay, just give me a second. I promise there's a good ending, I promise, I promise. 
So anyways, I, my cheer coach pulled me aside and she was like, okay, first of all, you need to lose the attitude. And second of all, you have to remember who you're here for. You're here for those kids that are on the court that need your support, that are working super hard. They don't have the support of the student section right now, so they need you in this moment. So she said that, I walked away and I was like, oh, she's right. Because it could have been really easy for me to give up. If she would have said, let's get on the bus and go back, I would have been like, no problem, I'm ready to leave. This is, I'm over it, I'm done. But I learned in that moment that it's not always safe to stay on the sidelines. It's not always safe to just give up and follow what everyone else is doing. I mean, sure, it's easy, it's comfortable, it's convenient, but it's not safe. And you know, you might ask, okay, well, why is it not safe, Kyler? And I'll tell you why, because I always thought that. Um, in elementary school, we had a track where we would run around the track, and if you ran around a mile, that was 10 laps, you got a colored stick, and if not, you just got a popsicle stick. So every time I got popsicle sticks, as we all know how I feel about running. So I was like, okay, guys, I got three whole popsicle sticks this time. Next week, I'm going for four. So, but I never ended up running, and a lot of it, when I thought back about it, I was like, well, I just don't like to run, but that wasn't it. It was because I was insecure. I thought there are people that are going to run faster than me. There are people that have the skill to run better than I can. And all the time, I would just, I would take myself out of the situation. I wouldn't pick myself before others couldn't pick me, right? You know, in our, in our home, like baseball tournaments in our neighborhood, I just be like, no, I'm just going to stay inside and do whatever I want, eat the snacks, because I don't really want to, I don't want to do this. I, I discredited myself before anyone else could. And we have to remember that no matter what, and no matter what we've been through, you are Jesus's first pick. You're his number one draft pick, your first string, all of the things he wants you on his team. And God has always been on your side. You know, you might be here, you've been coming for a while and you think, well, I do want to be on the team, but I'm waiting for the right moment, the right person, the right phrasing to, to really draw me in. But we have to remember that. We have to remember to stop waiting for people to recruit you and realize that the resurrection was your recruitment. The moment that Jesus died on the cross, that was when we joined God's team. That's when we said yes to Jesus and he said yes to us. So no matter what's going on in life, God... You're always on a team. You're on God's team. Never, ever forget that. Colossians 3.1 says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why I have 12 cats. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Say power, power. Honor, honor, and authority. And if Jesus wants me to have 12 cats, this is why I have 12 cats, guys. Okay, that's just how it's going to be. So what God has, you have. And I know the game is scary. It's really scary. It's uncomfortable. It's dangerous. It takes us out of the safety of being in our own little support system. But as hard as it is, we can't just wear the uniform, guys. We have to play the game. We have to bring people to Jesus. We have to say yes to Jesus. We have to live in those moments where God just takes our breath away. And we have to just say yes to all he has for us because we have to remember what the game leads us to. And that's the ultimate championship. You know, the Super Bowl is tonight, but we're playing for the Super Bowl of Christianity. And that's to be in heaven with Jesus forever and to reunite with people, our loved ones, our family, our friends, to be with them in heaven. And so... It's just, that's oh, so good. God's, God's the best coach, guys. He's got the ultimate playbook. He 
He's got all the right things, the sneak at the flea flickers, all of those things in the playbook. He's got them ready to go for your life. He has a perfect plan for you, and he's going to lead us to victory, but it's up to us to suit up. Thank you. Look at that scoreboard. She finished with one whole minute to spare. That's plus three points for the We Are the Here for the Super Bowl Snacks team. Okay. May I have my representative from the 40 Chiefs. Okay. So, remember the rules. Under seven minutes, you must use the Bible, which I don't doubt you will. And you also must incorporate... One of these. Well, there's only one left. Oh, I wonder what you're God. left with. Okay. So that's why you don't drink lake water. <laughs> All righty. You have three seconds. Three, two, one. All right. Good morning, everyone. So I'm not sure if you're as unfamiliar with football as I am. So I'm going to give you the definition of overtime. My topic today is overtime for the win. So overtime in the, in the NFL means an extra period played when two teams finish in regulation with a tie. But for this setting, this biblical setting, I've made up overtime to have a, a, a biblical background. So my definition of overtime is when Christ returns to take us into his eternal kingdom, we will be glorified and made completely perfect. So that's in Philippians 2023, 2021. Okay, so let's go to the word. Philippians 3, 17, 12 through 17, pressing towards the goal. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Yeah. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He's talking about Christ-likeness. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking Amen. forward for what lies ahead. Yep. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Yep. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you don't agree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example our example. Okay, so who was Paul? Paul was Saul back in Acts, and he was a very religious man. He felt like Christianity would disrupt Judaism. So basically, he took the, the onus of witnessing as well as approving people to be killed in the name of Jesus. And so one of the things that he did, he held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen to death. That was very significant because Paul that one single act transformed his life forever to the point where God made him a preacher of Christ. And that's why he was in prison for it. And so Paul, right now, his only singular focus is wanting us to follow Christ. Yeah. Okay. So fumbles in life. So Paul went through all of these things um, in life, but we all have fumbles in life. So we've done things that we've been ashamed of, the tension between where we are now and where we want to be. Those turnovers do not have to be the end of our relationship with God. The enemy wants us to focus on the thing, but God wants us to focus on him. Yeah. Yeah. 
after the death of Stephen, God basically used that experience to transform Paul's life into becoming a preacher of Christ. So what I would like for you to do is ask yourself this question. What turnovers have caused you to take your eyes off of Christ and pressing towards the, the goal of eternity? So I've experienced some fumbles in my life, had some major fumbles. My oldest son was sentenced to 30 years at age 18. That was a humongous interception in our family, right? So I didn't know what to do or how to feel. Um, I questioned my parenting. I was depressed. I didn't, you know, didn't understand that process. But I know that God doesn't make mistakes and that I have to yeah. trust him yeah. no matter what. And that's the hard part, right? Because we live in the past. A lot of us get stuck in the past, which can leave us drained and discouraged and feel so far from that perfect life that God has for us. Yeah. We can never, we think we can never please God because of the things that we've done in our past, but that is not true. Paul said, forget the past. If you yeah. don't take anything yeah. away from it today, forget the past. Yeah. We are human and each day it is our goal to press forward towards the goal. Women, we're either going forward and building our relationship or that relationship is dying. Men, we're either gaining yards or losing yards. Yep. Okay, so we have to press towards that goal. When Paul was in prison and he wrote the Philippians um, at the church of Philippi, he was in prison. Can you imagine encouraging people when you're already in prison and yeah. oppressed? So he said we need to have a singular perspective. And, and that perspective is getting Christ-like every single day without giving up, no matter the mistakes. So Pastor Trey and I were having a discussion about Super Bowl and all of that, and I was telling him, Pastor, I'm, I'm on this fitness journey. I have this 12-week prep. I cannot go over to Hosanna's house for Super Bowl and have those wings. I just can't do it. I said, because I have a singular focus to get on stage after these 12 weeks. Paul had that same singular focus. He was basically saying that, because they didn't have any Bibles back then, that letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians was his message to encourage all Christians and to pursue Christ. Verse 17 says, brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. So ask yourself this question, what kind of follower will follow our example by the way we live? Yeah. If we encounter a new believer, what kind of follower would a new Christian become if they followed us. Yeah. D.L. Moody said it right. Out of 100 men, one will read the Bible, 99 will read the Christian. Yeah. So take note of that. So being singularly focused men means to know that God will fill in any discrepancy between where we are now and where we want to be. Yeah. So don't let the fumbles, the interceptions that are turnovers change your perspective. And also, that's why you don't drink lake water. So, so, continue to go towards God. God knows the end from the beginning. So, come on, team. Let's get into the, get into the game, and it's overtime. Because the delivery of the phrase was so good in Jordan's message, it seems that this round, the winner is 
the, what are y'all called? We're here for the Super Bowl snacks. Congratulations. Shake, shake, shake each other's hand. Shake each other's hand. It was a good game.